Welcome to Sex Spoken Here with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I am a sex coach and relationship psychologist and created this show to help you solve any sexual problems, learn about all things sexy, sensual, and intimate, and create your ideal lasting relationship. In my virtual therapy room, I answer questions, interview experts, and provide tips that you can use straight away. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create a problem-free, exciting sex life. Make sure you join us to be up to date on all events and to easily access coaching at www.the-intimacy-coach.com. Welcome to my virtual therapy room. I'm Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee, and this is Sex Spoken Here. Please remember, this podcast deals with adult themes, so if you don't have privacy, you may wish to put on your headphones. Today, I'm continuing my series about gender. Joining me today to continue the discussion is Dr. Meg John Barker. They are a writer, therapist, and activist academic specializing in sex, gender, and relationships. Meg John is a senior lecturer in psychology at The Open University and a UKCP-accredited psychotherapist and has over a decade of experience researching and publishing on these topics, including the popular books, Rewriting the Rules, The Secrets of Enduring Love, and Queer, A Graphic History. Thanks for joining me, Meg John. Thanks for having me again. It's good to be here. My pleasure. So this time we're talking gender. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I'd love to start with some definitions and some ideas because the language keeps changing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm kind of definitely, yeah. I'm never sure I'm up to date on language. So right now, what do we call people who are non-binary? Non-binary. <laughs> cool. <Yeah. laughs> but in the US, people use genderqueer sometimes for the umbrella term. Um, in the UK, more non-binary. So people have different preferences, and some people shorten it to NB, like either NB the initials, or even like a word ENBE for NB, um, or ENBY. So there's quite a lot of different preferences. And then you know, non-binary is like a big umbrella. So underneath that, there are all different words like agender, neutral, gender fluid, genderqueer, like so many different words. So let's talk about what some of these different words mean. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we're talking about anyone who doesn't experience themselves as either male or female. So that's the non-binary umbrella, anyone who doesn't have that experience completely. And it seems like that's a lot of people. So one study found that a third of people um, saw themselves as to some extent the other gender or neither gender or both genders. So it could be a lot of people, but obviously a smaller number of people actually use that identity term. and so there are some people who feel like they just don't have a gender. So they'd be gender neutral, agender, sometimes androgynous. Um, then some people feel like they're a mixture. So maybe a mixture of masculine and feminine. And sometimes that can be like a mixture all in one person, but sometimes it can be that they go between. So by gender people, they go between periods where they feel more masculine, more feminine. Um, there's some people who feel like they're, they're mostly one thing, but a little bit not and they would be they use the word demi like demi boy mm-hmm. or demi girl um well, let me see <laughs> the there's people who feel like they're a further gender so like a, a third gender or a, a pan gender experience that they feel like they're, they're multiple genders so that's another one 
and then there's people who feel politically kind of they want to they want to dismantle the binary and they would use more like words like gender queer or even gender fuck for doing that right right so so what happened to gender fluid oh gender fluid yes so <laughs> and there's people who it changes over the lifetime or even over the course of a day um, and some some of those would use gender fluid for that experience that it's a it's a fluid thing it's not a static thing for them and that's that's true of a lot of people that our genders actually will change over our lifetime you know even just like you can imagine like how a how somebody expresses femininity for example as a young child and then as a teenager and then as a middle-aged person then as an old person that's even going to change even if you're you know a cisgender woman and you're pretty comfortable in that in that identity so so yeah that's very interesting to me because I think that that people don't actually think about that very often that that again like sexuality this isn't static and that the yeah. way we experience ourselves changes for all sorts of reasons throughout the right. lifespan yeah the way we experience our gender and express our gender so this is really what's important to me is that whilst it's really great that we live in a time when there are more openly non-binary people so people are understanding that they can identify as non-binary and experience the world in that way i think that everyone needs to think about their gender it's not just an issue for non-binary people or it's not just an issue for trans people in general it's an issue for everybody so um alex ian taffy and i have just written a self-help book called how to understand your gender which is coming out in september right. and the whole thing like for everyone you know and making that point exactly that we all have times when you know for a classic example might be you know so a woman who maybe loses a, um, a breast or, or both breasts due to breast cancer has to do a whole load of work around femininity for example mm -hmm. most people when they reach retirement age have to do a lot of work they may have lost things that were you know roles that they had that were really tied to their gender whether that was being a mother or being the person the person who brought home the money or so, so you know, we're all faced with different times in our lives where we have to make gender decisions, or where where our gender maybe is called into question in some way. Yeah, I don't, I find that fascinating because I because it's something that I don't hear people talk about. And in talking yeah. with, um, um, I've been been talking with a female to male transsexual, and we were talking mm. about the differences between you know, where is the line between transgender and transsexual? And I mean, it, and it's, it, right. everything is blurred. Everything. But you say that, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what we're saying really is that we, you know, what do we even mean by what, where's the boundary between transgender and cisgender? So we're saying trans is someone who doesn't remain in the gender they were assigned at birth. But who, you know, if we think about the people who are around us who said it's a boy or it's a girl when we were born, we probably, you know, and none of us as adults probably conform to what those people expected that we'd be like in the 1960s or 70s or 80s, you know. So in a, in a sense, everyone changes from the gender they were assigned at birth. Also, when I talk, I talk a lot to documentary makers who are so obsessed with making these documentaries about trans people, and I'm like saying to them, what we want is the documentary about multiple gender journeys because, you know, there's this idea that it's specific to trans people to have like, hormonal interventions or surgical treatments. Actually, a lot of people have some kind of medical treatments at some point to do with their gender. A lot of people change their name, like a lot of people change their name when they get married. You know, so if you think about women going on the pill, for example, that's a hormonal treatment. If you think about men taking steroids um, for, who are weightlifters or something, that's hormones. If you think about um, 
you know, uh, a guy who's got, um, a, you know, sort of more like breasts, you know, which which happens quite commonly and has some kind of breast reduction in order to have a more masculine chest, you know, he's having a surgery that a lot of trans men have. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Which, so is all about, which is all about the gender perception. Yeah. And when you do, and I mean, I, you know, as a woman who is um, menopausal, yeah, I tell you what, hormones do some really interesting things, you know. Yeah. You know, I'm also a mother, so I went through the whole process of pregnancy with the hormones and stuff. And yeah. I certainly, whilst I have always identified as female, I certainly express femininity far differently now than I did 20 years ago. And in fact, right. I'm much more kind of femme than I was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. and so the impact of menopause was probably more intense because yeah. what menopause does for women is starts to take away some of those female characteristics. Yeah. And so then you have to make decisions about hormone treatment or natural hormone treatment or what you want to do about that or how that yeah. feels. Exactly. So you're having to make similar decisions that a lot of trans people have to make of like, am I going to be, um, am I going to identify as this gender but not take hormones and just do other things to kind of express the gender that I feel that is in tune with me? Or am I going to take hormonal treatments? It's actually a lot of people at some point in their lives having to make those kind of decisions about taking hormones. And don't really realize that part of why they're part of the issues that, that get flagged up are about the way they see themselves in terms of their gender. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the same for men who find yeah. themselves having to take testosterone. There's a big thing around taking testosterone right now because mm. they finally realize that men actually go through hormonal changes too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it yeah, only took a little while, you know, and, and <laughs> I've had guys presenting who are suffering with lack of libido and, you know, mm. have just read that maybe their, maybe their testosterone has decreased and they're yeah. of, of an age, you know, they're, you know, most of them, a couple earlier with some specific problems, but most of the guys are in their fifties. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh yeah, maybe you, maybe you should get that tested because that's, there's a likelihood, but then you need to talk about, do you actually want to chemically alter your body? And that's, those are all the decisions. Yeah. Exactly. And then there's some women who are going on low dose testosterone in, in order to increase desire as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, we all we all have a mixture of these different hormones. And, you know, it is possible, you know, and I was reading about polycystic ovary syndrome recently, you know, and that's like one in 10 women have got that, which is to do with levels of testosterone. And people are making decisions again about surgeries and or um, hormonal treatments in regards to that. So it's so it's super common. So I just feel like we should get away from this trans cis binary and the and the binary non-binary binary as well in yeah. a sense and just see yeah gender is something that we're all having to think about and it changes across our lifetime and it intersects with all these other aspects of us like race and class and sexuality and that that is true of all of us so it is useful for everyone to take a pause and like really think about where they're at with gender which i find really interesting because people really 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 so so many people still look at it as, as your biological sex. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't understand that there is a difference between my biological sex and my gender. Wait, and wait, because this gets even more complicated because 
first of all, our biological sex is way more complicated than just one thing. Right. So our biological sex can be about our chromosomes, the levels of hormones we have, how our body appears, and about our brain structure. So we've got four different levels of biological sex, right. and none of those are completely binary either. So <laughs> then we also have the fact that the, the world we're in and our life experiences affect that on our biology. Right. So we know from epigenetics that some of the things about our social environment will turn certain genes on or off. We also know that from neuroplasticity, that the stuff that happens in our life will change the way our brain wires up. Yep. So actually, some authors have said we should see it as like we should write sex slash gender. Right. Because our, if we think of sex as the biological bit and gender as the social bit, our, our sex is affecting our gender and our gender is affecting our sex. sex. Yeah. So yeah. it's much more complicated than just a kind of, oh, yeah, we know if someone's XX or XY. Well, actually, we don't. You know, even most people don't know their chromosomes. And even now, um, I read a recent book by Cordelia Fine called Testosterone Rex. And they're saying that gender isn't just about the XX or XY chromosome. There's a load of other things going on than other chromosomes that relate to gender. And also, we know that not everybody has XX or XY chromosomes. There's a, there's a whole load of variation, too. So. Oh, and all of that affects where our hormone levels are. So those that can be all over the spectrum too. And then recent research on the brain found that very few people have a male brain or a female brain. Most of us have a mosaic of both, like different bits that would have been associated with a male or with a female. So yeah, it's all over the place. You know, like there's women who are more hairy than most men. There's yeah. men who have bigger than most women, you know, or shorter than most women, you know, it's just- Yeah, no, I know. And it, it's fascinating to me. Because I, I remember being a teenager and meeting somebody who told me he was he wanted to be a girl. My friend Kenny, this you know, yeah, one of my first crushes. And um, you know, when we got closer, he said, "Actually, I really feel there's there's a, a woman inside me, and I don't want to be a boy anymore." And he, in fact, transitioned. Yeah. Um, he came to me before that happened. Then they've done scans, and it turned out that she was born with male genitalia, but female uterus, ovaries. Right. And so it yeah. was not surprising that there yeah. was this conflict. And so that was yeah. her first experience of trans. Yeah. But and that was also the only thing they talked about then. Yeah. And that's somebody with an intersex experience, that's right? That's right. And, um, so, and some trans people are intersex and some are not. Right. You know? And then where do we draw the lines? Because, you know, the, yeah, there's interesting studies about whether there's, there might be brain kind of versions of intersex as well as kind of body versions. And again, those aren't completely separate. So it's not possible to completely disentangle intersex and trans and non-binary and all of these things from each other. So how do people react to being told this is something we really all need to be dealing with? Like when you're talking to a documentary filmmaker, what is their response to that? Well, this is difficult because the documentary filmmaker just wants to make a quite a sensationalist TV show usually. And, you know, they, that trans is big news. You know, we've reached a transgender tipping point, according to Time magazine. You know, people are very worked up about transgender kids. 
they're very worked up about who gets to use what bathroom. So people seem to just want to focus on trans as an issue when actually I feel like it would be much more helpful to make some quite different kinds of shows about gender, again, about how all kids can relate to their genders rather than focusing on a small portion. Um, but I think what I would tend to do when I do a workshop is I just ask people to say, like to list what is associated in our culture with being a man and being a woman. And then I just simply say, is there anyone in this room who fits either of those columns perfectly? And nobody, nobody does. You know, no, there's very few people who fit completely into what is seen as being a man or being a woman in our society. So right there, it's like we're all on the same page of like this is these rules are not helpful for people. They're they're not helpful for men. They're not helpful for women. They're not helpful for non-binary people. They're not helpful for trans people or for cis people. So let's kind of focus on changing those ideas rather than kind of focusing on one particular marginalized group for example and i think about it this way is that we tend you know i'm back into my ambivalence thing people don't yeah. deal well with ambivalence ambivalence is the task at the end of childhood at the end of adolescence is to be able to learn to sit with ambivalence that's one of those 17 to 21 year old oh, people yeah. tasks yeah, right. right. As you're doing separation, that's one of the big things there, learning to cope with ambivalence. Unfortunately, for a variety of reasons, many of them cultural, a lot of people yeah. never make that transition. Oh, we're not encouraged to do that at all. We're no. encouraged that everything's black and white, right and yep. wrong, good and bad. Everything's binary. Um, I mean, and there's, you know, the whole of Buddhism is about teaching people how to sit with uncertainty. Yes. So clearly, if it was that easy, you wouldn't need an entire, like, philosophy not, to no. help you do. Exactly. It is not yeah. easy. It's very difficult. Yeah. And the idea is that not that you become perfect at it by the time you make it through the transition, but that when you make it through that, that period of life, that stage of life, yeah. that you understand that things aren't always certain and that you can, to a degree, one degree or another, work with ambivalence yeah there's no effective teaching around that anymore um yeah. because it's ambivalence has to do with waiting ambivalence you know there's all sorts of things that are that's been kind of transitioned out of the culture yeah and so i, agree. I think it makes yeah. it far harder to deal with these sorts of issues because i feel like you know the, the problem is we live in this kind of consumer capitalist culture which wants to sell us things by proving to us that we're lacking in some way. So it doesn't it doesn't want people to be able to sit with that ambivalence or discomfort or uncertainty. It wants to say, you need to buy a Coke right now. You need to get your ass to McDonald's, you know, to get rid of that uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. It's not encouraging us to stay with the uncomfortable feeling, which is the thing we could really do with learning. Yeah, and, and also yeah. things like, you know, um, waiting, waiting doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it, when I was growing up, you had to wait. There wasn't a choice. There wasn't, you couldn't get information on tasks. You couldn't buy like, something at two in yeah. the morning. You know, you saw something on television you wanted, you at least had the, the delay. And I have to wonder how much like these sorts of things impact on every area of life on, you know, mm. people feeling lost and uncomfortable and unable to decide where they should be as though they have to decide. They have to yeah. choose one or the other. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think um, 
and again I think that's that's there's a sadness because there's a kind of pressure as well on people to figure it out again still a pressure to be okay if you've got any kind of issue with your gender you've got to figure out like am I trans and that's a quick you know decision and again there's a narrative about what that means you need the hormones you need the surgeries you, you know you need to identify and actually there's a whole you know open space there that opens up when you think there's something going on for me with gender which would be really nice if people could have the time to explore and not feel they have to come up with a set answer straight away this is it and I need these things you know with again with non-binary people some people have surgery not hormones some have hormones not surgery some people have neither some people have both some people make changes to their name or their appearance some people don't that's really helpful you know that people are not being forced down a narrow kind of line of this is the only way to deal with this I think those options absolutely need to be available because they're life-changing for some people um, but it's about not like not like funneling somebody into one direction but that's what we're doing with most cisgender children as well of course is you know that's why we've got these campaigns like let toys be toys because you know the whole kind of toy industry seems to be funneling people down one route or another so I think anything that's trying to push people in a particular gender direction is something to be very critical of well and i and i think that i think that people are just terribly uncomfortable with stuff like this and and yeah. and so the pressure is there and i was um um talking with um melvin about you know the number of trans people that i've seen over the years who mm. have wanted to detransition mm. Yeah. Because there wasn't the time and the space prior to making the transition to live as the other gender and then going through surgeries, this they, it it wasn't there. So Yeah, I mean I think we should definitely emphasize that that's fairly rare because yeah. I think there's a, there's a tendency at the moment in the media to get very focused on people who detransition. It's a very um, small percentage. As if, yeah, as if that's that's meaning that people aren't really trans, which is what people always want to say in the media is, oh, people are not really trans. So let's park that. That's not what we're saying. But yeah, there are people who who, and I I don't even like detransition or regret because it's a journey, right? You know, so it's like somebody yeah. can make a transition. And then later they may make a further transition. So you do get some people who, you know, before non-binary was really understood, you get some people who transitioned to be a trans man or a trans woman who are now saying, I'm non-binary. And if I'd known 10 years ago that non-binary was an option, then that might have been what I'd have done. But, you know, so it's an ongoing, an ongoing process, for example. Yeah, no, and I think, I think you're right. I mean, if the person that, um, you know, detransition was the language that, I guess, yeah. But it doesn't make sense. It, it, it's pro probably far more helpful for folks to know yeah. that they've got that that the ability to be fluid if they need to be. Exactly. And I think that it's okay. And you can't know as well. I mean, having gone through um, top surgery myself um, and considering hormones, there's a kind of like you. There's something about you cannot know until you actually do it. In fact, with all of the social and medical changes, you know, you can be pretty sure I want to. I want to do this. But no one can ever know 100% about anything. So, you know, w what it is is you, you make a change to your name or your pronoun and then people start using it and you think, yeah, that fits really well. Or maybe they use a couple of different ones and you're like, oh, that's that's a good fit for me. You know, you, you can't really say for sure 
until you've had the experience. And the same for me with the, the top surgery. I, I was pretty sure that was something I wanted, but it was only after I'd started going down the process of making it, of you know, setting it up, that I realized it meant so much to me. It felt like this massive kindness I was doing for myself. And I felt depression kind of lifting that I'd experienced most of my life. But it, it's, it's not as bad as it ever was before. And something about going through that surgery was was part of that for me so and I didn't expect that you know right. so I think yeah so I think there's there's something about you know there's something about we expect trans people to be able to tell us yeah 100% you know put me on put me on estrogen give me these surgeries or put me on testosterone give me these surgeries and actually people cannot know and it would be great if we could allow for them to yeah have that slower process of just yeah figure it not not slow as in you know, actually, some people really do, you know, need to get it as quickly as possible. They really are very sure. But just allowing them the space to discuss it and, you know, find their own way with it without putting pressure on them in either direction, really. There's so much pressure to not be trans. And then for people who are trans, there's pressure, like, to do it in a certain way. Well, because, because, because people want them to then appear in an understandable way. Right. They yeah. don't again, we, they don't like the middle phase. So it's sort of, yeah. uh, it's sort of it. I had a conversation with somebody recently where we were talking about, you know, what parents managed to to deal with. And it was like, well, you know, um, sexuality was easy to deal with as long as it was homosexuality, because. Then you could be in a monogamous relationship and still run the same pattern and that bisexuality yeah was incredibly difficult because it wasn't there wasn't a nice set little box that that the child could walk into that's right it's a similar thing isn't it and i think yeah the reason people have a struggle with non-binary and just with trans as you say while people are due while people are going through it well you know it's it's everyone seems to want it just to be flipped from one thing to another as quickly as possible because there's something wrong somehow with being in this more ambivalent state and actually, you know, again, if we could get past that, then people could, yeah, people could kind of transition quickly if they wanted to. But for some people, they could make that a slower process. Yeah, I know for me, it's been a slow process. And often only going through one, going through one change will help me to realize, oh, you know, actually, I think this further change might be helpful for me. It's not like a quick thing. And, and there's a lot of people who, for whom it's not a quick thing. And it'd be good that they could have the time they need, they need for that process. And also the understanding that, that people don't necessarily go to the traditional endpoint. Yeah. You know, which yeah. is, which I think is, again, the other thing about non-binary that people find really difficult or that even yeah. sometimes people who don't identify as non-binary do identify as trans, but yeah. don't get to an endpoint. They don't no. go through all the surgeries. They don't. Why are, you know, so, yeah, why are we so obsessed with an endpoint? You know, why, why do we want people with to goal rather than you know if life's a journey then maybe it's okay to be in process and be on the journey you know the only end point we ever get in life is when we die that's like, exactly let's right not hurry, let's not hurry that along you know it's like <laughs> yeah but it's interesting because i think the reason people are so obsessed about an end point with gender is because they're so uncomfortable with anything yeah. that isn't male or female anything yeah. in the middle is just like spins heads yeah. And you feel that, you know, as a non-binary person going through the world, it's like you're being sir or madam all the time. You know, it's pe people have to pick one. You know, it feels like it's super uncomfortable. So they will. They'll just decide, you know, um, rather rather than allowing for something that might not be either. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I think I think yeah, I really do, and that people people find it almost impossible to ask. Yeah, I mean, but it's great that we now have more non-binary representation in the media. So um, the TV show Billions, which is a big mainstream TV show, had a non-binary actor playing a non-binary role, and um, that's Asia Kate Dillon. And I think that's the first like really super mainstream. Um, there's also uh, non-binary people on a couple of other shows now, and it just you know makes all the difference that people can see that represented, and also in that show see people relating to that character, right? And, you know, asking about pronouns, and then they've got the model of people getting the pronouns right, so they can see oh that's how they pronouns work. It's not all that complicated, you know. So I think the more we can have this kind of media representation, the better. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 that's wonderful. I, I think this is one of the big hurdle topics. For people, yeah. you know, yeah. there, there are lots of things that I talk about that people find relatively easy to get their heads around. But this whole thing on gender, people find difficult. I think it's the most difficult. I mean, if I think of, you know, because I'm openly bisexual, kinky, polyamorous, like none of those things have ever caused people a great deal of, you know, it's like, yeah, they've had problems around them, but they've been nowhere near the kind of problems that people have had around the non-binary gender. Like, so I've got that direct point of comparison. I would say, yeah, definitely the gender stuff. I think people have a, a lot of struggle with asexuality as well. I think that, you know, saying that you don't experience sexual attraction, that also really seems to trouble people because it's seen as so fundamental. But that's a whole other show, but it's a really important <laughs> yeah, show to no, have. It is. <laughs> I definitely have to do that because um, yeah. because there's, so, there's such poor understanding. But I find it yeah. really interesting because you do have that direct point comparison. So it's easy to see how much, and I really think it's because it's because we have such trouble as, as, as human beings with ambivalence. We want to categorize everything. Everything no. has to have a box. That's how exactly. most people understand the world. And non-binary doesn't work as a box because you yeah. can't describe what the box looks like or no. what goes in it. No. And it's, I mean, again, people will try, you know, people will try. If you, if you Google for non-binary, you might well find a bunch of images, you know, on Google images of people who look fairly similar to each other because, you know, we really struggle to be outside a box. So, you know, we get kind of image of kind of young, slim, white, kind of androgyny as like the non-binary image. And then, you know, some non-binary people will kind of try and fit that. And it's like, no, let's stop. Um, there was a great hashtag on Twitter recently called this is what non-binary looks like. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, go and check it out because it was really good for people challenging that and saying actually a lot of non-binary people would be read as men or women you know, but their experience is non-binary. A lot of non-binary people are over 40. Who knew? Like, not everybody's in their 20s with, like, colorful hair, even though that's a really great look for a lot of people. It's not what we all have, you know. Yeah, I know. Um, there's some great kind of non-binary people of color sharing pictures as well. It's like, it's not just a white thing, you know. So, yeah, it's great. Thank you so much. This has been great. Um, no problem. Is there any, how can people find you? Uh, they can find me on uh, megjohnbarker.com or rewritingtherules.com. Um, also, I do a podcast of my own uh, with uh, Justin Hancock, which is on megjohnandjustin.com. Uh, so come and check out our podcast as well. Your podcast and, is fantastic. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, so those will do. And you can find out about all my books and everything on there. But do if you're interested in the topic of gender in September, I will be blogging and tweeting all about uh, the book with Alexia and Taffy, How to Understand Your Gender, 
So that would be a really helpful book to get, hopefully, if this has been of interest to you. Great. And um, all of the links will be on the website with podcast notes um, on iTunes and Libsyn. So when you download the podcast, you can get the podcast notes and you will be able to find them. So thank you all for joining me for Sex Spoken here this week. Write to me with suggestions for the show and any questions you want answered at Dr. Bisbee at the dash intimacy dash coach.com. Do follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out my YouTube channel. For a free 30-minute strategy session with me, go to www.the-intimacy-coach.com and click on the button that says schedule now. I look forward to seeing you next week, and thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to Sex Spoken Here with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes or on Stitcher. And make sure you head over to www.the-intimacy-coach.com to subscribe for free newsletter updates to help you create and sustain an exciting trouble-free sexual life. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes on all topics, sexy, sensual, and intimate. Thanks for listening.